Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs. Phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash scrollslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash scrollslore, expressvpn.com slash scrollslore to learn more. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio presents The Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. This is the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, and we have a big news breaking update right now for your ears only. I don't know how those things actually go or what anybody actually says when they do them. That's fine. That was a great news ticker. You did you did a stellar job. Thank you. Welcome everybody to the show and to the live stream. All of all of our live friends who are in chat. And um I'm your your host, Tom or Robots, and this is Lotus of Doom, my co-host Lotus. How's it going? How you doing, buddy? Things are well. Things are very well. Lots of big news happening in the Elder Scrolls Online side of things, mm-hmm. even though that won't mm-hmm. really be our super topic, although it will be something of interest coming up, as if we hadn't just like been hinting at that with our, I don't know, news ticker update, which was <laughs> the highest of quality. Yes, I, that was a, a sound effect directly from uh, one of the news channels. Um <laughs> I can't say their name or they will sue me. So, yeah, so we, we got big news. We're not going to go over this. If you've been in the know at all today, this is Thursday. It's 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it, all the big news dropped today about everybody who's getting these like previews of some of the new stuff in the new uh, year of content for ESO. And you've probably seen multiple posts about that and lots of other people and podcasts saying we're going to talk about this soon, including Lotus's other podcast, Tales of Tamriel. <laughs> So yes, we're going to let them do that. They're going to talk about that stuff because we've got Lord to tackle, but we also have some big news kind of related to that. We have the one and only Rich from ESO joining us in three weeks. It's going to be yes, we do. three weeks from now. So three weeks from today. What day of the week is that? That is May 6th. Sixth. Yes. May 6th. He will be joining us live on the show. 
and we are going to be asking him some questions and getting some insight directly from the guy who is behind the scenes with all the stuff going on in ESO. So if you want to yes. be here and be there for, for the live thing and maybe even throw in some questions, I don't know if he'll have time to answer them, but you never know. Um, so I, I can't say for sure. I do know that we had to send some questions ahead of time and we had pulled some of you guys for some of those questions. So he will at least be answering those questions, but you never know. It's a live show. You might see somebody post something in chat and go, oh, well, here's what I can yeah, tell you about I, that. You know how that stuff goes. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, very exciting stuff uh, to have Rich Lambert come join us. And uh, being the creative director, one of the things that's so <clears throat> interesting about that um to me is he's really one. Of, I mean, when you think of a creative director, that's one of the things that he's got his hands in all of the things in elder scrolls, which is again, when you have interviews with different devs, there's a lot of technical stuff to the side of things, but um, spoiler, as I've talked to rich many different times, uh, <laughs> he has pretty deep roots in the Elder Scrolls series. So mm -hmm. this year, which was kind of why we invited him, um, is pretty strongly related to him. We'll leave the details of why until he comes join us. Oh, you know, we don't want to spill the beans on this at all? Right. No, okay. we don't want right. to spill any beans. All right, we'll spill the beans. <laughs> well, yeah, so, um, but it it's pretty well tied into a lot with his history in gaming and all sorts of good stuff like that. So very excited to have him come join us in three weeks. Yeah, I'm sure some of you guys will know what we're talking about, but we'll reveal more in just a few weeks time. So make sure that you are here if you want to be a part of that live 9 p.m. Eastern on May 6th uh, at twitch.tv slash robots radio where we do the live show. And um, we'd love to have all you guys stop on by and join us for that chat because it's going to be awesome. We we got some really good questions for him and I'm excited to get to talk to him again. Super nice guy. Um, it's going to be great. So anyway, and in uh, similarly large news, probably a little bit bigger news. I have ice cream also. So uh, <laughs> it just kind of showed up like that, right last minute and I have to eat it while doing a podcast. So that's fun that's too. pretty important too. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? We are continuing... <laughs> Our series on the divines and the Adric powers of the world, Tamriel, whatever, whatever you want to call it, Mundus, yeah, the Pantheon, everything, whatever. It, yeah, anyway, we'll just, yes, those things. We're talking about those things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we went over Akatosh and RK recently. And uh, side note, I forgot to mention when we were talking about the uh, Yakudans that Tuwaka is yeah. kind of the corollary for RK. Just totally, I, totally skipped uh, over that. I didn't add it to the notes accidentally. Uh, but that, that is totally a thing. It, it didn't click until, uh, obviously, uh, the nod to um, <laughs> uh, Arimetheus, who brought that up. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah. You know, it, I, I assume a lot of people know Arimetheus for the advanced version of lore <laughs> with uh, written uncertainty. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, big, big, uh, big shout out to him for catching that because he's right. And it's it's funny because once he mentioned it, it was like, oh, yeah, that was probably a parallel that was absolutely worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, like, I just totally, you know, I, I didn't catch it either. So it's, it's I think good I, to make the note. Yeah, uh, I think I was pasting things into our note thing and then I just 
thought I had copied and pasted it over and then just didn't notice it. And in the, in the midst of the show, it didn't occur to me that like, oh, we didn't go over that part. So, yeah, we thank we you for that. We just kind of so, skipped over it. Um, So thank you. Thank you, Arimathias and anybody else who out there who's like listening to that episode going, wait a minute. What about Tuwaka? So yeah. real quick, real quick. Tuwaka is known as the tricky god of the Akudans. Um, mm-hmm. The god of souls, the god of the far shores, and before the creation of the world, he was the god of nobody really cares, which is a wonderful <laughs> which title. Is the greatest title yeah. ever. <laughs> right, right. This is why we should have gone over it because it's he's so I interesting. Know. Yep. Um, then Tall Papa undertook the creation of the walkabout, and Tuaka found a purpose. He became the caretaker of the far shores and continues to help red guards find their ways to the afterlife. So the whole life and death thing, the bridge to the afterlife, there's a connection there between Tuwaka and RK, and they kind of fill similar roles in their pantheons. So um, there's a little bit more about that, but we'll save some of that for when we get into a little bit more about the Yakutan pantheon and some of the connections between each of those. That, that could totally be a topic for the future. But this episode we're talking about, and I, I want to poll our audience because Lotus and I say this differently. Is it... Dibella or is it Dibella? I'm not going to tell you which of us says it which way, but we're yeah. going to take I'm, a poll. And from this point forward, I'm going to say Dibella. And <laughs> you might be right because <laughs> when you said it, so it's funny discussing it. I always read. It's one of those things you you read a lot. Yeah, you don't always you, hear you it. Read different. Yeah, I always thought it, you would. Five, like I don't know, you you would accentuate the whole the whole beginning part, and it, I I would kind of like, <laughs> oh yeah, Dibella, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, Dibella seems pretty likely as well. <laughs> I love the comments <laughs> like we're getting. Neither in chat. <laughs> we're getting so. Nikki is stray bullet eight says Dibella. Uh, Wayward world hopper says it's Dibella normally Dibella when she's angry. <laughs> I like that one. And then Sea Chasers is neither. <laughs> it's, it's always misread. It's neither. It's actually pronounced Loretta, but who knew? <laughs> it's just a weird spelling. Um, anyway, Dibella a, uh, is the goddess of beauty. She's the embodiment of beauty and teaches mortals to seek truth through beauty and worship. And of course, this the stuff that we're reading comes from the UESP article about it. And we'll, of course, expand upon that a bit as we go. Those who follow the teachings of Dibella and propagate beauty and promote harmony are granted charm and grace. The goddess teaches that mortals should give themselves to love and commands them to open their hearts to, quote, the noble secrets of art and love. Treasure the gifts of friendship. Seek joy and inspiration in the mysteries of love barf like this is this is like she's like the goddess of puking kittens who are also puking rainbows at the same time right like this is yeah as sicky <laughs> sweet as you can think that's the idea it. of Dibella. um yeah but it's not just sicky sweet too there's there's like a sexy side of this as well oh yeah it, it's get it gets kinky once we get into this <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it goes on it says Dibella holds no limit on the number of lovers one may have see i told you and demands focus. That didn't take long. <laughs> that ex- escalated quickly. Uh, demands focus on the quality of the essence of love, not the quantity. So you can have multiple lovers as long as they're good lovers. You know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They'll just like take on anybody. Yeah. No. 
like the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> gonna get boys? ready to be or better in order to right. The Backstreet Boys second. are just right out. Like I don't care who you are, where you where you <sighs> came from, what you did. What as long as you love me. Nope, that's no good. That is of no high quality. No good at all. Uh, so Backstreet Boys, you guys need to listen up. Um, it goes on and says she teaches that no matter the seed, if the shoot is nurtured with love, will not the flower be beautiful? I I don't know, Debella. Will it? Will it not? <laughs> I, I suppose so. Apparent, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you are uh, hinting at it, so I'm I'm, I'm guessing the answer is yes. Um, and blesses the love of those which is pure and untainted. So, awesome. Okay, love, beauty, quality of love and beauty, these kinds of things, right? So, of course, with many of these Adric spirits and RK especially. She discouraged relations with the undead, such as vampires, and concurs with the teachings of Arche that vampires have impure spirits. The goddess makes her will known to mortals through her Sybil, who is revealed to her priesthood via the ceremony known as the Exalted Protocol of the Debellan Sybil. The ceremony is known only to the priesthood of Debella and is kept secret from the general population, including acolytes of other divines. Debella is known as the divine who pays men in moans, which is <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh man, that is that is quite a byline to I, your sales pitch. That's yeah. Do you are you the man who has everything? Do you have more money than you need? Do you have multiple properties, a boat on the ocean, your own plane? What about moans? <laughs> I've got a deal for yeah, you. Yeah, that is. <laughs> That that is always one of my favorite lines because I was like, "Wow, that is um, that that's quite a sales pitch from from this divine." Um, <laughs> and again, the, the more we'll discuss with this, it it's really a running theme of the sicky sweet love thing is kind of parallel to the really kinky side of everything. So, <laughs> see, Chaser says new favorite Adra. <laughs> Uh, so it, it continues and says followers of Debella are known to practice the Debellan arts and bestow a mark of Debella upon others. Critics of Debella consider her a lustful and passionate goddess. So, uh, yeah, you can you can see how this can be taken in different directions. And we've talked about how the worship of the divines, the worship of any gods uh, often is it's debatable as to if that worship and that aspect and the understanding of that gods comes from the god to mortals or if it, it comes from the mortals back to the gods like bestowing that on the gods and putting their own expectations on them and you can see how it, even just different types of people not to mention different cultures might side a little bit more with the sticky sweet side of it with the mm -hmm. quality of love side of it or with the amorous erotic side of it, it just depending right. on which thing you resonate more with and I mean, talk about humanity and like some people resonate more with different aspects of that, you know, for exactly, you know, like my mom <laughs> would be all about the motherly love and the let me bake you some cookies and, you know, give you all the hugs and like that kind of side of it. Right. But then I, and I know a number of people who would be on other sides of these things. So it all just comes down to your perspective on it, I think. When it, when, exactly when it comes to the description of this so of course she's worshipped like any of these other daedra by 
you know, people who worship the Pantheon, the, the eight or nine divines, but then also individual other cultures that believe in her or people who believe in her as a mix of their own deities. And um, it says here, Debella and her worshipers are argued to have what can be considered a personal relationship in contrast to the formal and impersonal relationship held by the worshipers of other divines. And this is interesting. Uh, uh, let me I'll continue through all of this. And there's a point I want to make about this. A number yep. of cults dedicated to Debella can be found in Cyrodiil, High Rock, Hammerfell and Skyrim and are varied in their focus. Some cults of Debella focus on women artists or aesthetics while others concentrate on erotic instruction notice i was talking about how some focus more in one area and some focus on another but they all tend to put that under the same label of debella a house of debella will typically have three or four white cats within as they are sacred to the goddess when worshipers of debella wish to honor the lady of love by engaging in anonymous bestowal of affection they don a porcelain debella's doll mask and this is a, actually an item you can get in and Elder Scrolls Online. So the first line of this section talks about the personal relationship and how, and we've kind of talked about this before, you know, you talk about like the flow of time in Akatosh or life and death in RK, that these are kind of these, what was the word you used last time? Like these, ephemeral isn't the word you used, but they're kind of these abstract background kinds yeah. of concepts. The, the thing about love is that it's way more personal, right? Like, yeah, we all have a personal understanding of time, but it's it's unchangeable. It's immovable. We can't do anything about it. We all have a personal understanding of life and death. We all experience those things and experience them in other people, but there's nothing we can really do about it. Love, on the other hand, is something that changes and grows or or goes away. It's something that we are involved with very intimately. So the idea that Debella would be one of the few Adra with which you can have a personal relationship with is unique, but it makes sense for her sphere that she's in control of. Right. She's a bit more tangible than some of the other yeah. divines. Yeah. Um, and again, it, in terms of, I guess tangibility, if that's a word, which I'm not entirely sure that it is, but <laughs> it is now. Um, yeah, it is now. You know what? We're going to double down on it, and that's what it is. But um, <clears throat> we're actually able to concretely say she is this. She, Dibella or Dibella, uh, <laughs> has a, a a bit more of a concrete form as opposed to RK and Akatosh is a dragon or whatever. But this is you know, the first specifically where there is a form and the statues in game mm -hmm. depict it. I, I mean, for the visual bit that I've been trying to do for everybody, this is her uh, little shrine uh, statue for anybody who can see the visual version right. of this. Sorry to the audio listeners. It kind of looks, I actually don't know how it's to like an upward facing flower. Yeah. With, that's uh, actually a good two way of little it. Uh, curled pillars that come around the sides, which yep. is, which is interesting because even, uh, in Daggerfall, the symbolism we get, and I've got some images for us that can go up on screen here, um, right. is that, and this is very low res because it comes from Daggerfall, but I'll make it a little bit bigger. You've got like an Ankh type symbol next to mm -hmm. a white flower and yep. the flower petals on this droop rather than going up like on your statue. But you can see that even back in Daggerfall, they had this concept of you know, the flower, life, love, you know, th those kinds of things. 
Yeah. So, and then when you have the, um, you know, the actual, uh, like outside their temples and stuff like that, mm -hmm. Dibella herself is, oh, perfect. That's exactly. It's always a variant of, you know, uh, an attractive, scantily clad woman, woman. I yes. guess would be the best way you could explain it. I don't yeah, really yeah. know no, that makes another sense. adjectives um, for, almost, for how to explain the statue. Uh, almost like a Greek uh, goddess. -like. I was about to say, picture, yeah, picture Groman, uh, Groman, Roman, um, Greco-Roman, all one word. <laughs> Roman. Yeah, I just made one. We're, we're all about <laughs> making words right now. Um, Greek or Roman statues, like the marble statues, it, it's got that type of feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, to, to give a real world analogy of just something that if you, if you're not on the live stream with the uh, video version, just something you can picture in, in relation to her statues. Yeah. She's, she's always depicted as a scantily clad, um, kind of busty hippie, <laughs> like mm -hmm. uh, voluptuous woman, which makes sense. I mean, in many cultures that is considered both, uh, it's connected to not only um, like erotic love, but also motherly love. Both, yeah. both things can be connected to that. Um, so it makes sense. Her, her symbolism matches the concept. The other thing that we mentioned was the, the masks, the doll masks in ESO. And I've got a picture of those as well. And I really like the design on this. It's got like a purple and golden or orangey color uh in mm -hmm. the mask but it has these uh, flowery kind of leaves and movement across them it's it's a really cool design and it's it's very unique compared to any of the other things that we've seen of hers yes but i love i love a lot of the artwork in in the games especially in eso like it, every time they do stuff it just gets better and better so i love that stuff um do you have any other thoughts about Debella before we get into the types of worship from different areas and different people? Um, I mean, we're are we going to go through each of the regions versions of her specifically? I don't know how involved mm -hmm. we plan on getting. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're going to touch on um how she's worshipped in like Black Marsh and Cyrodiil, Hammerfell, High Rock. Okay, Skyrim. yeah, then. I, I don't want to jump too, too much ahead and then end up like stating something where we're planning on covering sure. going forward at least. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. She, she's definitely a very prevalent um, deity in, in most of, I don't know, in most of, most of the games, very specifically Skyrim. Um, you, mm -hmm. you actually have some pretty interesting quests around Devella uh, in Skyrim, which if you have not found them and, I guess have Skyrim. I don't know who doesn't own Skyrim. Um, that I would definitely suggest checking out because some of the quest lines involving Debella or temples of Debella are pretty entertaining. Yes, there's. This is one of the things I realized in researching this episode. This image right here that you will recognize from the sides of some of the crypts in Skyrim features a a woman, a, a shapely woman, all in robes. She's not like partially clothed with like a, a just a rope draped over her shoulder or something but then mm -hmm. uh male priests on well i guess it's her right side our left side with um like a king's 
sarcophagus and female priests on her left side with looks like a queen sarcophagus and then moths rising up from her hands and then a giant moth at the top of the image. And I'm just going to tease that right now because this is a, a thing that I didn't know was connected to what is actually connected is connected to Debella. And this is from Skyrim. It's one of those murals you'll see on in the inside of these crypts all the time. And I think it's really, really cool once you get a sense of like what this actually means. But we'll talk about that towards the end of the episode. So why don't we go ahead and thank our patrons and then we'll come back and talk about all the different worship in these different areas and, and all that other stuff. So here we go. The skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire and every one a sign. So thank you so much to our patrons. You guys are amazing. There are 48 of you right now. And not only that, but Sea Chaser just upgraded to a tier five patron, which means Sea Chaser and Noodle Al Dente get a big thank you for being our tier five patrons. And Pie Man is a tier six patron. I don't know if he's Akatosh oh my. or Lorcan. <laughs> he's one of the two. Uh, both are pretty potent beings, but yes. <laughs> Holy moly. Thank you to the three of you, and especially thank you to Pie Man. That is huge. If you don't know, that is a $250 uh, patron <sighs> tier. It's one of the tiers that I put in there as, as a, well, maybe someday somebody will sign up for this. I and and he did. I guess I'm glad uh, Pie Man enjoyed the show. Yeah, I know, right? It's phenomenal. Thanks for dropping by. Glad you enjoyed. Phenomenal. That is amazing. Um, so thank you to thank you to all of you. Thank you to all of our patrons. Whether you're a one dollar subscriber or a two hundred and fifty dollars subscriber, you're very much appreciated. Thank you for helping to support the show. You are what allow uh, me to be able to continue doing these shows and adding on new shows like the Mass Effect Lorecast and doing my streams and creating content and. And all the things that I do. So very, very much appreciated. If you're interested in helping to support the show and checking out all the different things that you can get on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Even for $1, you can get ad-free episodes and episodes a day earlier. But then, of course, you can get uh, to join us on future episodes of the show. Discounts from the merch store where you can get t-shirts and things. There's all sorts of stuff you can get from the different tiers. So go check that out. And speaking of guesting on the show, two weeks from now... The week before we talk with Rich is the 29th. That is the last Thursday of the month, and that will be when we are doing our next patron episode. So if you want to join us for that, you're welcome to. All you have to do is sign up at tier four or higher, and then you can join us on that. Um, otherwise, uh, another fun tip, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can use that on stream and help support my stream or Lotus's stream or whoever else, because Jeff Bezos doesn't need the money and it's free. You get to support a streamer once a month. So if that's something you'd like to use on the stream, we would appreciate it as well. Um, so that's on Twitch. So if you're on Twitch and you're watching or you are able to support us there, then thank you, please. And thank you. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. In a world where solid state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta, people never stop loving atomic powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart and their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15 
an intelligence of two, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast. Rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing. Yes, yes, you're entirely brilliant. Conquering madness and all that. Blah, 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 blah. All right, Lotus, let's talk about the different zones and how they worship them. I'm going to I don't have these in the order that I want to do them. I'm going to skip over to Cyrodiil first. Um, But worship of Debella in Cyrodiil, Cyrodiil, in Cyrodiil, she's a she's something you get in a cereal box. She's like one of the bonus prizes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tony the Tiger worships her in Cyrodiil. And she's venerated by the Imperials of the Providence of Cyrodiil and is featured as a member of the Cyrodiilic Pantheon, of course. This is why we're going through this list, is because these are all part of that Cyrodiilic Pantheon. In Cyrodiil, she has nearly a dozen different cults, some devoted to women, some to artists, and some to aesthetics, like we mentioned earlier, and others to erotic instruction. Notice again, the different, different preferences you have for how your perspective on her is shaped by your own wants. Um, a chapel of Debella was located at the city of Anvil in the second and third eras. In the third era, 433, the chapel of Debella at Anvil was desecrated by Ororans, Daedra in the service of Meridia, and several of its priests were killed. At this time, way shrines dedicated to the, to the goddess could be found throughout the countryside of Cyrodiil, and a statue of Debella was located in the Arborentum? Ar- Arboretum. Arboretum? These words yeah, are it's difficult. an arboretum. Arboretum, yep. <laughs> district of the Imperial City, the capital of the province. So it's not uncommon that you don't come across her all over the place. Uh, like Lotus mentioned, um, even in Skyrim, you come across her. But if you've played um, the Elder Scrolls Oblivion, then you will have come across uh, the chapel of Debella in Anvil. Um, one other thing, just for the sake of helping, because these are made up words, uh, <laughs> but they do say it in Elder Scrolls Online. So when, uh, what do you call it? Meridia's um, Daedra are called Aurorans, would be how you'd pronounce that. Aurorans. It, yeah, the only reason I know how to say it, because I'm looking mm-hmm. at that spelled out. And when you said it first, it was like, Aurorans. what the? And then it, it was the Meridia part. Aurorans. Yeah, it's Aurorans just because mm-hmm. um, one of the bosses calls in Aurorans to try to kill you. So that's the right. only reason I know how to say that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, words are hard, especially words, when they're made up. <laughs> words are difficult. So uh, Cyrodiil, pretty to be expected, worship different ways like we talked about before. What about places like Black Marsh? Well, the majority of the population in Black Marsh are Argonians and they worship the Hist or at least they venerate the Hist and they have a connection to the Hist and are not as likely to worship the divines the way that, say, the Cyrodillians would. But worship among um, the uh, the Cothringi, the indigenous humans of Black Marsh, Marsh, Black Marsh, 
uh, is known to have, known to have been a thing. They've they've been worshiping Dibella, but they go by the name Dibe, D I B E, I think is the pronunciation. I guess Dibe. I guess. And um, yeah. they also worship Mara and Kinnereth, which is interesting, as one of the mothers in the around us. Uh, Dibella was held in high regard by the Cothringi. And a temple of Dibella was located in the city of Gideon in the second era during the Alliance War. So very neat. Very neat. I have to wonder what else we're going to find out about this stuff in the next uh, installment of Elder Scrolls Online coming in June. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Then we have Hammerfell, right? Hammerfell. uh, Dibella is the patron deity of the region of Tigonus. Did I pronounce that correct? I I've never heard that one spoken yeah. that I can think of. So right. Tigonus sounds as good as anything I would come up with. Tigonus, maybe um, I could be Tigonus and is popular among Red Guard women. The Red Guards of Hammerfell divided between the crowns, conservative Red Guards and forebears, cosmopolitan Red Guards do not universally worship Dibella. And she is only venerated by forebears who began to accept her into their pantheon under the Cyrodiilic Empire. So basically this means typically Red Guards have held to their older Yakudin beliefs, but yep. due to Cyrodiilan uh, connections and the Empire moving into the area, of course, the cultures change as that occurs as right. well. And, and the forebears definitely have much more um, imperial influence on them than obviously the uh, the crowns do. So it would make sense that they have adopted Dibella much more into part of their culture than the crowns, for example. Right, right. And then in the late third era, temples dedicated to the divine uh, meaning specifically Dibella, were administered by the House of Dibella, a religious organization dedicated to Dibella and her teachings and could be found in major urban centers throughout the province. So by the third era, it was much more widely spread. Then um, the House of Dibella was led by a patriarch and was allied to the Benevolence of Mara, a religious organization dedicated to Mara and her teachings. The Order of the Lily was a knightly order dedicated to Dibella, which protected her temples against its adversaries, such as the followers, followers of Sanguine, the Daedric Prince of Hedonism. You can see here that I think this is interesting. The idea of Sanguine and Dibella, right? Quality love and maybe even erotic love, but then Sanguine and taking that and turning it dark into hedonism. And yeah. I think the difference here is... Um, like theoretically or philosophically would be a, a a high quality love, even an erotic love would be one where you are giving to your partner, whereas hedonism would be taking for yourself from your partner. The, Mm -hmm. the visual act of it may look very similar, but the intentionality (laughs) is what is different. Right. So I and think that's where you have the light and dark version, the yin yang of the same thing, potentially. This. Yeah, right. 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 So exactly. I, I think that's actually really, a really cool, interesting uh, dynamic that is brought up there. Then we have uh, worship in High Rock in the late third era. Similarly to Hammerfell, the House of Dibella was responsible for the administration of temples dedicated to Dibella in the province of High Rock. And the Order of the Lily was also active in the province at this time. High Rock and Hammerfell tend to always go hand in hand in a lot of ways because a lot of the cultures are similar. 
Nabella is the patron deity of the regions of, here we go again, Cogria and Minevia. Minevia? And is venerated yeah. as a member of the Breton pantheon. In the second era, the worship of Nabella was criticized and discouraged, notably by Father Pitoff of the Cathedral of Daggerfall, who warned of the charms of Nabella. So you have some connections here, Hammerfell, High Rock, a little bit more Breton area, but still some some red guards like uh, these cultures are right next to each other. So you also have a little bit of that kind of bleeding over into each other. <laughs> See, Chaser says it's pronounced yin yang. Oh, uh, and they're also <laughs> debating about how many divines there are. I think it depends on what era you're in and what yep. culture you are in. And I don't know. We'll have to talk about that Speaking later. Speaking of the gray, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big 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 question uh so let's talk about skyrim so in skyrim in the totemic religion of atmora where the nords originally came from the nedic people precursors to the nordic pantheon and here we go this is the part i was hinting at before the silver moth has been considered to correspond with Debella. and if you take a look at this image again you'll see that these are moths that are coming off of her and even in her clothing, the symbols of the moths, the eyes, the, the eye-like shape in the wings of the moth is echoed in um, the clothing that she's wearing and the different details of her as, as this like goddess character. Very interesting, the silver moth. And this is connected to the, the uh, Nedic culture, which was much more an animistic, I think is the phrase, um, where they connected a lot of these things to animal representations. It goes on and says, this worship continued with the migration to Tamriel and Skyrim where, where the Atmoran animal gods eventually became known by their modern names. Dabella is considered one of the hearth gods that watch over the present world as the goddess of beauty. Her worship is varied as individual cults venerate different facets of her spheres of influence. Again, some worshiping certain aspects of her and others worshiping others. In some stories, she is acclaimed as the bedwife of Shor. Who is Shor? Lorcan. <laughs> Interesting. The, she's doing it with Lorcan, I guess? Is that what that doing means? Doing it with everybody. Yeah, she's doing it with everybody. As long as it's meaningful. As long as it's meaningful and giving inequality. That's and beautiful. Then she's she's all about it. <laughs> In the fourth era, shrines dedicated to the goddess can be found both in the wilderness and in urban centers, such as at the Temple of the Divines in Solitude and at the Temple of Debella in the city of Markarth. At this time, the practice of the Debellan arts was disapproved of in certain localities and could lead to ostracism. Some Nords are known to consider uh, Jeffrey, Ifrey. There's all I, they yeah, pronounce I it with Ifre. a Jeff with a they spell with a J, but they don't. Spell like Ephraim right. is almost always spelled with a Y, but J's are sometimes yeah, Y's. So, yeah, God of nature. How would you say it? Yeah, God of natural beauty <laughs> to be an imitation of Debella. So there may be some connection there as well. So uh, I know that was a lot to digest. What do you, you have any thoughts on any of this, Lotus? While I eat some um, ice cream? Mm. Yeah, so while you have a snack, um, I, the only real thing that I feel is substantially worth like noting is it's pretty widespread that um, Debella is very 
consistently recognized, I guess. Even her versions are similar in, in from one region to another. I mean, we did mention the crowns don't really acknowledge it, but for the most part, when you're on Tamriel, as opposed to cultures coming to Tamriel, it seems like there's a pretty wide and universal acceptance of a degree to her, which has had similar but not it, it each of the divines has their own takes she does as well hers to me so far have seemed a little more streamlined everybody interpretation is pretty similar to the base version that we were talking about whereas when we were mentioning uh akatosh or it was a little more variety to it it's like oh he's a cat in this one and it, yeah in it even in, well, I was like for the example of in Black Marsh, she's not necessarily a Argonian version. I mean, she could be. I'm sure. I'm sure that. Yeah, but it's mostly the, pick that the up Manish well. people in but Black Marsh that that worship her. So the worship her. Right. It's not the beast race mm -hmm. uh, uh, scooping up the. So it seems like that just the Manish culture has what influence they have on different regions, it pretty much carries a long suit. And it seems like the variety is a little less extreme with her, at least from, from what I've seen learning about all the ins and outs and of, of, of Diabella. Yeah. Um, it's interesting when you look at charts that show the different cultures and the different uh, analog deities, uh, Dibella has almost no, I mean, there's Dibe, which is basically the same thing. Uh, but yep. there's not really analogs. You know, you look at Archaea and you see Tuwaka. You look at uh, Akatosh right. and you see, um, oh, what was his other name? Alkosh. Alkosh or... and some of the other names for him. But Dibella's kind of either Dibella or she's not there. Or they replace her with something <laughs> right. like Mara. Or, you know, there's some other similar deity that kind of and, holds that spot. Right. And the tie-in to Mara, which we'll get to when we discuss Mara, <laughs> um, makes makes sense i mean they kind of coincide with each other the same way that we briefly brought up sanguine almost being like the diametrically opposed yeah. <laughs> to yeah. to the situation because it's like well yes it's the same thing but it's the other side of that coin type of deal mm -hmm. so yep so with some of these uh, she's a little bit more hands-on seemingly or at least a little bit more personally connected than some of these other adra no pun intended <laughs> yeah, hands on um <laughs> quality hands on um she she has some uh items that are connected to her some uh artifacts so there's the brush of true paint the brush of true paint is an adric artifact supposedly created by debella it is said that the bristles of the brush were woven by De or from debella's own hair the brush allows the wielder to enter a painting canvas and paint things life-size simply by imagining them which is interesting. Uh, I Pretty think this handy. has to do with the beauty side of, of this thing, this artistic yep. beauty side of it. Then there's the Helm of the Crusader, which is one of the Crusader's relics. It was created by Debella in the early first era and granted to Pelinal Whitestrake, who didn't give Pelinal something. Uh, the Divine Crusader, uh, to allow him to defeat and banish Umaril the Unfeathered and Aeliad Sorcerer King. Pelinal, despite his victory over Umaril, was slain, and the Crusader's relics were scattered and lost for thousands of years. The helm was placed at the shrine of the Crusader in Vanua. Vanua? Pelinus. Vanua. Vanua. Uh, 
uh, Pelennol's place of death, where it remained until it was recovered by the champion of Cyrodiil in the Third Era, 433. Mm-hmm. So some of you guys might remember playing through that as well. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to note here was that Debella uh, lends her name to a specific beverage called Debella's Kiss Tea. She also lends her name to a material known as Debellium, which is kind of cool because it's like um, it's like in the real world where we have, you know, like the chart of all the elements. And then you've got like, you know, you've got like uh, oxygen and carbon and like all these other all these elements. But then you get down to the bottom and they start na- naming them like weird stuff with with like Roman endings like Einsteinium and plutonium and like all those things. Sounds like one of those. Sounds like an, an element. In that so table yes and if you want a uh, specific situation where you use debellium um or or again di- diabellum i however you want to pronounce this it's <laughs> um <laughs> it's it's pretty handy because it is uh it's in it, the elder scrolls online um and it's a trait that was added with somerset uh, the Somerset expansion. And that's when they brought in jewelry crafting, which was originally not a thing that was in the game. And one of the trait stones, which is Diabellum, um, it's the harmony trait, which this is a little just very specific game detailing, whether that matters to you or not. Uh, and the <laughs> harmony trait jewelry increases your damage, healing, restore uh, resource restored and damage of your shield strength by any synergies you activate. So in the game, uh, since ESO is a multiplayer game, you can provide skills to each other that you can activate, and then you get a shared bonus. Oftentimes, healers will throw something to me as a tank so that I can continue to do what I'm doing and not die. And It's because they love you. I, and that's why actually using Debellum mm-hmm. on my Harmony jewelry keeps me alive in my current progress group in Cloudrest 3 because otherwise I would be dead because um, yep. <laughs> I wouldn't get that 15% bonus. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's neat that it's also, like you said, it's, a, it's like its own element and it's got a trading game. So, I'd be curious to see, you know, just other uses, because when you have something like that, um, it's not always universal from one game to another uh, with alchemy reagents and stuff like that. They're similar type of deal, but it kind of changes sometimes. So I'll be curious to see if going forward, if it ever has any other use or if just this harmony trait thing would have any merit in a single player game elder scroll six for example blah 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 blah. yeah Yeah. i guess we're gonna have to wait and see um yeah it's kind of cool though what the function of it is is to create more synergy between you and other people yes like it it, a a positive quality relationship between you and somebody else helping each other out some of some of the um how can i put this some of the subtleties in eso i feel (laughs) are lost on a lot of people unless you get into the lore side of things because Mm -hmm. oftentimes mechanics, I mean, that is a mechanic to the game, but there was obviously a lot of thought put in. Like, what are the odds that accidentally was chosen as like, oh, well, here's your synergy. That was thought out. The idea is to keep, it's one of the things that 
There's controversy over whether Elder Scrolls Online likes to be considered canon by a lot of people. It is. It is. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. At this point, it's, um, it's created more lore than any yes. single other game I, in the series. I know. Right? Like, <laughs> um, and, and things like this, whether it's a nod to a classic game, which there's tons of, or just simple little things like this, like a trait stone on jewelry has a lore implication to it. Like it, it connects to the divine that it's named after, which is super creative. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Savline says part of the issue is that the more you expand a universe and make up more lore, the more you have to retcon preexisting lore. So it all fits. That is absolutely true. And definitely that is exactly what you would expect for any series to do. Um, right. because and these are not novels written by the same author, which in many cases they have to go retcon things they did in previous works anyway. Um, these, sure. these are multiple works written by many, many different writers. So you're Absolutely. going to have inconsistencies. So the I, writers even haven't been consistently the same group on Elder Scrolls Online alone. There's right, been right. shifts. So uh, you, you know, we've had two lore masters over the course of the seven years the game's been live. So it's like that always changes. And luckily, when you have a series like the Elder Scrolls, you have the ultimate MacGuffin of the Elder Scrolls themselves and Dragon Breaks, which really let you <laughs> right, right. let you make some interesting uh, twists to make things fit. And yeah. have them hold together. Yeah. One of my pet peeves with, uh, I do multiple lore shows. So this is something that I look at a lot. Um, but the, there's a, the community at large, the, some of the loudest voices in the community at large will often hold up the, wait a minute, that retcon something, or wait a minute, this breaks lore from this other thing flag as a badge of honor as like, I know that this thing back here said this and this thing counteracts that and then they dig their feet in and they just like that's the hill they're going to die on mm -hmm. this thing is wrong because that thing is right because it came first well that's not how the creation of lore in video games works it's not like looking at reality like if you study if you do like bible study um not not a bible study like what does Jesus tell me I should do about my relationship? Let's read third Corinthians. No, not like that. Sure, I mean, like historical, yeah, not, not, right. biblical, historical study. If you were to all of a sudden dig up an older version of the New Testament, one closer to the original documents that were written, then yes, you can say, well, this one uses this word instead of the other word that's used in all of the other editions. So that means it's in, it's from an older source. So it means it's more accurate. You can absolutely do that because all of those sources all came from an original document that then moved through everything else. Video games aren't like that. It's not like the people who created the Elder Scrolls one created some sort of uh, canon document with which everything else has to be drawn back to. Um, it's more like the opposite. The most recent lore is the most accurate and any lore that came before that that gets retrofitted is retrofitted out of necessity in order to write better, more engaging stories and create more content for the user base. And if it yep. doesn't work like that, we would get worse and more terrible games and we would never get new stories and we would never get anything else. So if I'm going to plant my feet in and die in a hill, it's going to be that one, which I think a lot of people <laughs> will go, wait a minute, that's not right. But it's the nature of the beast. That's what it is. Like you cannot yep. look at video game lore like it's 
you know, historical exegesis of, you know, documents in, in the real world. They're similar, but they're very different. So right. that's that's my perspective on the whole thing. So there and you go. I, I, I was going to say, I don't really have any counterpoints to that because I share a similar thought right. process. Yeah, yeah. So, so Sabline like, says uh, retconning offers all kinds of wiggle room uh, moving forward. And it absolutely does. And you you don't does. you didn't pigeonhole yourself. You're right. Yeah. Yep. No, and, and, you know, it's necessary to progress a series forward. Again, a lot of things change with in this situation. This is not a this is a intellectual property owned by a company so it needs to evolve and bethesda has had kind of a very unique situation where a lot of the people who work there that i've seen or met or whatever they're there for crazy long periods of time which is actually also very unique in the video game industry there's usually a lot of turnover so the fact that i think so much holds strong with this series is a testament to that because there's you know a lot of similar staff but at the same time they've grown and expanded so as a result the story's grown and expanded it might not be in a direction you like that's totally fair that's legit but that's that's that, an actually legit complaint right like and that, that's the subjective totally opinion fine. of like i don't like this story compared to the older story that is Absolutely. fine. I don't like the new sequel to the movie series I like. I like the first one better. That's fine. That's not based right. on any objective fact. That's based on subjective opinion. You're allowed to yeah, like exactly. that. Totally. You know, enjoy enjoy your subjective opinions as much as you want. That's great. Uh, the flip side of saying like this is objectively wrong. You can say this objectively differs from the previous lore. That's true. But to say yeah. that that's a bad thing or a good thing, it's it's not either it's yeah, a necessary it, it, thing that's it right so it gets yeah it gets it's why i i generally don't like to deal too much in absolutes and i always consider what i'm reading to be the newest version of something mm-hmm. that i get to learn about because this is a very very fleshed out universe in the elder scrolls so yeah i i'm i might have a bunch of experience with the series and everything like that but i'm constantly one of the things i like about this show is even when i think i know something Oftentimes, I'll find that something's changed since the last thing I knew about it. Right. So right. that's interesting in and of itself while I'm, right. you know, reading up on the notes to these. So. It's um. there's a difference between a I don't know if I'm going to label it correctly, classical mindset and a postmodern mindset in that. And this is something we experience in the real world a lot. The classical mindset says you create a thing when you're done creating creating a thing. That thing is complete. It is finished and it is done. You move on um, yep. in a postmodern mindset. You're never done creating a thing. Think about software. You go back 30 years and we had to create software. And at some point you had to say, OK, put a put a pin in it. It's done. Ship it. You send it. You send out your floppy disks and you can't patch it. It's too late. You can't make updates. There's no Internet. You just put it in the drive. It is a finished product today. Almost everything works on iterations nothing is ever complete pretty much nothing and what's funny about this is that like if you if your world is if you're surrounded by physical objects as the things that you manufacture all the time the things that are constantly made tables and chairs cars um food 
you you go to a certain place and you manufacture that thing and it is done. You use the table and the table is done. That's it. It's a table. But human beings are way more like the postmodern mindset in that we are constantly changing, upgrading, devolving, whatever throughout our lifetimes. We're never done. We're never finished until we're dead and then we're done. But then we, we're, we don't exist anymore. But even then, our bodies continue to change over time. Nothing is truly finished. And if you I, I, I wish more people and I think this is I mean, this is a much bigger topic. I think this is a product of our school system and all sorts of other things post industrializing the, you know, the world. But this idea that if you're going to be active in the world, creating and making and doing, you can't ever consider something done. You don't just make a website and you're done with it. You still update it. You update it all the time. You patch it. Right. You know, uh, video games get patched all the time. Nothing's ever done. Um, yeah, that's that's just the way it goes. So stories, stories get updated all the time. How many times has George Lucas gone back and updated Star Wars? Like, right. It's not a finished product ever. Um, and some people don't like that because they like to have their hard and fast set thing. And it will always be the same thing. And it doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Like I'm trying to say. It, you can have your favorite. You can say, I like the original Star Wars version before they added the visual effects. That's great. That's yeah. fine. That's totally fine. But the creator wanted to keep evolving it, and that's okay, too. You know, so both things are okay, is, is my point. Um, so anyway, I guess this became a much bigger way, topic than I expected. Yeah, so. th this ended up being, but there's a, <laughs> we can bring this all back to one of the original things because uh, I was reading this and I was like, this all seems to actually connect really well. So there was a <laughs> statement right back at the beginning where no matter the seed, uh, if the shoot is nurtured with love, will the flower not be beautiful? You can take <laughs> that, bring that right into what we were discussing and say no matter the topic, <laughs> if the game is nurtured with love, <laughs> will the series not be beautiful? Boom, and there's your Elder Scrolls right back to where we started in a nutshell, or I guess a seed in this case. Right. It's like right. just... Nurture what it is, and you'll probably get a good new expansion to the story and series out of it. Right, so, right. And see, Diabella even teaches us. Yeah, and if you're going to hold too hard and fast to to something, then you're just going to steal from yourself and the ability to enjoy the things that are coming, you know, in the future. Like exactly, it's like don't steal from yourself. Just enjoy things. It's it's a yep. lot more fun. It's a lot more fun, guys. Um. Anyway, just some thoughts on all that stuff. Uh, Lotus, this has been a fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed the lore and this kind of other dialogue about this I, as with any of this stuff i'd love to hear your thoughts you can always tweet yeah, at us sure. or jump a on a lot of times we get some great yeah. side things that either it's a different take on what we talked about or mm -hmm. just like oh well why didn't you mention this it's like right that is a good thing we could have mentioned touche yeah so or, or somebody definitely um, let us know or, or maybe i didn't do a good job explaining my perspective and somebody gets to a conclusion that I didn't intend and I'm able to clarify like that wasn't sure. really what I was trying to say I'm trying to say this or, or whatever absolutely so we like it's the conversation is not finished let's keep the conversation going hey look how that connected in so uh <laughs> join us on the discord the robots radio discord in order to talk all all sorts of all fun stuff or in this in the chat you know thank you guys for chiming in with some of your thoughts as, as we do this so absolutely. lotus uh we've got three weeks till rich shows up and we get to interview him that's exciting we've got a patron episode in a few weeks we've got one more episode before that things are things are cooking we're getting closer and closer to the new update for eso yeah there's well, a lot going on um 
We are actually recording Tales of Tamriel tomorrow because uh, just everything's kind of hectic. A few of us aren't around this weekend, but we're making tomorrow work because we actually, because everything was NDA'd last week, it made it very difficult to have a show that anyone but me could talk about because (laughs) I specifically don't go onto the test servers as I play on console and I, I, it's more work than I want to do for for that and i'm not gonna lie as much as i like being involved with all this i do like some of the surprise of stuff Mm -hmm. i I, so i keep up to date within reason uh whereas for kind of more of the technical side both arc and pixie (laughs) were in the blackwood testing so they've seen stuff that we couldn't talk about last week (laughs) the nda was just lifted today so we kind of had to hold off and we'll be recording tomorrow at 10 um, instead. So if you are interested in some of the new stuff, as you had mentioned, uh, that's mm-hmm. what we'll be discussing on Tales of Tamriel tomorrow. And something that um, I'm doing on my own Twitch channel, which is open to everybody who listens to anything, um, my friend uh, Drew from the community, he provided an Xbox code for Blackwood, uh, the expansion. Last time uh, I mentioned this, I don't know, it was a couple months ago. Well, he's provided me another code to give away. So if you play on uh, the Xbox or would like to play on the Xbox, I am doing a giveaway uh, for an Elder Scrolls Online Blackwood code. It will come with the base game and the brand new expansion. And I'm just going to give it away on my stream. Uh, I plan on streaming. I believe, uh, yes, it's it's going to be April 25th. I'll have the exact time of the day that I'll be streaming. But I usually stream if I can on the weekends around like 2 or 3 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. But I personally don't, you know, if you follow me, great. That's awesome. I've been advertising it everywhere. But um, it's really just for anybody in chat. So if you want to come by and hang out while we play Elder Scrolls, we will be giving away uh, a copy of the Elder Scrolls Online with the Blackwood expansion again. So thank you to Drew for that. And uh, yeah, get your get get yourself a chance to win if you're interested in Elder Scrolls Online or if you already play and just want the upgrade that also works. <laughs> yeah, totally. If, you, if you're an Xbox player, go grab that because that's, yeah, for that's sure. awesome. Um, well, very, very cool stuff. Uh, let's see. I've got my regular stuff going, you know, streaming uh, in the afternoons and then also sometimes in the evenings. And then, of course, all of these different shows over at robustradio.net and our Rocket Club. We've got 10 people signed up on our Robots Radio Rocket Club to help people launch their podcasts and, and you know, actually find an audience or construct a show that is, is the kind of show that people will want to listen to and all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of fun. We have some really creative people doing all sorts of awesome shows. Go check out the list on the Discord. You can see all the shows that are part of Robots Radio and then also part of the Rocket Club. You can check out all of those shows. There are some Elder Scrolls ones. So go go check out that list. And if you want some help launching your own podcast and making sure that it's successful and you're able to find an audience, I'm happy to work with you. I have so much fun working with the different hosts and their creativity and, and the, the little things that I can do um, that end up making a big difference that they just weren't aware of because they hadn't done a show yet. So that's a lot of fun. So go check that out if you'd like to, you know, want some help, you know, launching your own show. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, Lotus, this has been super fun. Coming yeah, up next this. is the Dungeons and Dragons lore cast that will start at 1030. So in about 24 minutes and 
until then, you can kind of hang out and listen to some uh, mechanist rap battles <laughs> on, a, on my away screen. And uh, we'll be back next week. Anything else you want to say before we go, Lotus? No, I was going to say, just have a great week, everybody, and we will talk to you next time. All right, everyone. Stay tuned for Dungeons & Dragons. We'll see you guys next week. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at elderscrollslorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon. You've been listening to the Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Do you like adventure? Yeah. Do you like laughing? Uh, yeah. Would you like to listen to a group of people you don't know play D&D and reference retro pop culture you vaguely remember? Um... Excellent. You're going to love Committee Quest. We play D&D in the world of Amaranth. We use adventure modules and supplements made by people in the community. We also have a sweet synthwave backing track. Come and join us on our adventure. Volume 1 has been completed. Volume 2 coming the end of January. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Are you into the cyberpunk tabletop games or excited for Cyberpunk 2077? Are you looking to brush up on the lore, stay up on all the latest news, and talk about the game when it comes out? Check out the Cyberpunk Lorecast, a show from Robots Radio with me, your host, Robots. We'll go over all the details you need to know about the world, characters, and story of Cyberpunk. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now.